Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. We've been in a series called Love Well. How many of you know love sounds fantastic until you actually have to do it? Right? And we talk about how it helps you love people and be kind and all that. And then some knucklehead comes at you. And it's a whole different ballgame. Right? And, and, and one of the things that I said last week is that I think it's important for us to catch as we get into this idea of relationships and doing relationships in a healthy way or a healthier way is the second law of thermodynamics. Now, I told you this last week, but if I remember the second law of thermodynamics, this is just like Ethan's told you. They don't remember anything you teach them either. No, I'm just kidding. Some people listen, listen, listen. Second law of thermodynamics. Things go from a state of order to a state of disorder, or the fancy word for it is entropy. Entropy, that all things in our natural world come from a state of order to a state of disorder. Right? How many of you, your houses just automatically get in order? No, not until you put some kind of force into it. And we see that throughout, and I would say the same thing happens in our relationships. Right? Without us working on it, without us doing something, how many of you know that your relationship will drift to disorder? Right? Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a relationship with a kid, whether it's a relationship with a neighbor, coworker, it doesn't matter. I'll give you verse two of one. I didn't tell you this last week, but not this week, this week, and thought it was good. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. This is right before this is all about God speaking and prophecy and his word speaking to us. Because then it says, lest we drift away from it. And we know, and we say it this way in leadership circles, vision leaks. You know what I'm saying? Like when you first start something, like some of you remember, uh, some people here were part of our launch team. And man, the first few months are just like, greatest thing ever, man. I love setting stuff up. And then three years later, you set stuff up. Right? Like, we, we, we get excited. And we are terrible about this in our culture. Because our culture is all about new, better, right? I got the 1.0, now I need the 2.0, now I need the 3.5. Wait a minute, you got the 4.7. Wait a minute, I've got kids. Like, we, we think this way, and we're always looking for better, and we're programmed to think that way. And what happens along the line is some of our most important relationships start to drift. Start, start to fade. And how many of you know, if you're really honest, some of those closest to you are off, often get your leftovers? Right? Like, we'll go to work eight hours a day, or we'll go with whatever we do during the day and give our absolute best and then come home and walk down on the couch. Or, or, and and so, so we've got to consider how are we going to deal with Because here's the scary thing. If you let a relationship drift far enough, it will get toxic. If you let a marriage drift far enough, I'm going to be sitting in the office with you and somebody's going to be using the B word. Divorce. Right? If you let a relationship with a family member get to a certain place, it gets so toxic that it's hard to get even one of them to even talk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder if anybody here has 
relationships you might look at and go about the things are kind of tough. And I think if we're honest, we all do. I know I do. I've got some relationships that, man, as I was preparing this this week and thinking about what I would say to you guys, I thought about how I'm letting things get processed. It's amazing how quickly that happens, right? A household can get toxic. A, a neighborhood can get toxic. Community, a city, a city can get toxic. I mean, a culture. I look around our culture right now, and I honestly feel like our culture has become toxic. Like when you can't say something on social media without being annihilated, something's something's toxic about that. Something's so so. So how do we deal with that? Because we are God's people. Brought here to make a difference. Like we are his ambassadors. And so today I really want to talk about how do we deal with toxicity in relationships? How can we heal toxicity in relationships? And I think what happens when we allow relationships to become toxic is this. Have you ever thought about this? What makes a relationship toxic? And your first inclination is probably what that other person did. Your first inclination is to think about what that other person said or what that other person did. And you go, well, the reason it's toxic is bonehead over there. And here's what I would submit to you, and I, and I want you to process this with me. If somebody does something horrible to you and you don't let it affect you, is that relationship still toxic? The answer is no. They might be toxic, but the relationship's not toxic because you didn't let it become toxic. So that can't be the answer. So what is it that makes the relationship toxic? And I think it's this. I think it's the bitterness set in in me. Bitterness becomes a root inside of me that begins to grow. And we've all been there. You've been there getting ready in the morning, looking in the mirror, arguing with that person. Driving down the road, should have said this, but they said that. That would have got them. Right? Listen to me, what's toxic at that point is my soul. What's what's toxic at that point is is in me. And so I want to talk about the, the, the reality of how do we get to this place where we heal toxicity when the toxicity or the issue is actually in me. T.D. Jakes likes to say it this way. The enemy is in a me. Right? This, this, this bitterness, and look at this quote from Billy Graham. Bitterness is anger gone sour. An attitude of deep content that poisons our soul and destroys our peace. So I want to use a, an Old Testament story today. It'll help us kind of guide us today as, as we talk about this concept of dealing with bitterness and, 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 and healing toxic relationships that are in our lives. So some of you, many of you may remember the story of the Israelites. So God's people, they're trapped. Some of you guys remember Prince of Egypt, whether you've seen it in cartoon version or other versions or, you know, Charlton Heston, floating hair thing and all that stuff. But they come out of Egypt and they come out of uh, slavery, and they go across the Red Sea, and they get to the other side of the Red Sea, and what happens? The Egyptians come in, water takes them out, right? And they start dancing and high-fiving and singing praise songs to God and all this stuff, and they're all 
first time you walked in there. I don't know if you realize this, but there's somewhere probably near 2 million people that are part of the Israelites at this point. So this is like a city. This is not like some small group of people, right? And it takes three days when they run out of water. I want you to picture the attitude of the morale. Two million people, when they run out of water, they begin to grumble. Right? They begin to get upset. They begin to get fired up. And then they come across this lake. And, and I'm sure there were some of them were done at the beginning because, you know, some of us were so excited when we're the one that bought something first. I won't get into that right now. But anyway, I'm sure there were ones up front like, oh, oh, wait, I found it. They call it Lake Mike. Right? Whatever. But when they see the lake, they get all excited. But when they go taste the lake, guess what? It's toxic. It's bitter. They can't drink from it. I'm going to read you a little bit of the story. Exodus 15 and 23. When they came to Marah, they named it that for a reason. They could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter, therefore they named it Mara. Mara in their language means bitter, okay? And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. I believe the same thing just happened in that story could happen here today. That relationships that you think ain't all way that's going to get fixed. That family member, that neighbor, that co-worker, no way that toxic relationship is going to be fixed. I believe that can happen today. Let's pray to ask God to do that. Father, thank you for this opportunity to open your word. For the next few minutes, would you clear our minds of all other things, except for you have to speak to us, Holy Spirit, and you give us courage to not just hear what you have to say, but to step into it to apply it to our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. But all those people said, amen. Right after this verse, a little bit further down, God makes this statement. He says, I am the Lord your healer. Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord your healer. That is who God wants to be in our life. He wants to heal your toxic relationships. And there's a tree that I believe God would instruct you to throw into the bitterness that's in your soul. See, this is an Old Testament story, but now in the New Testament story, we've got a new tree. It's the tree of the cross. It's a tree that was made into a cross, and our Savior died upon it. And in that comes lessons of what does it look like when we take the lessons of the cross and we throw it into the bitterness of our soul. How do we take what Jesus did for us on the cross and the example of what he did on the cross, what he gave us in the cross, and put it in the blight in might. Does Mark has bitterness? Anybody know? Does. How do we, how do we actually put that in the blight? Here's what I want to say to you. Bitterness is deep. Once we've gotten to a place of bitterness, we've rationalized our bitterness. We make room for our bitterness. We, we've actually created a space in our soul where our bitterness to us makes sense. Can you hear what I'm saying to you today? So what the Holy Spirit is about to attempt to do, whether you participate or not, and it's all up to you, because you know, he will make you do it, is surgery. Some of what I'm about to say to you, your first response is going to be, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. And all I can tell you up front is if you'll trust God, and put into play what we're about to talk about to radically change 
say to you this much, I'm not going to change anything around you. It's just going to change you. And I was talking about this week, that great story that was told. Dr. Emerson, who does love and respect, he said this. He said, I want you to back up for a moment. You're on a, a bus. And every seat of the bus is full, except for four. And it's a red line. It's an overnight. So, you know, everybody's expected to sleep, get up in the morning, and morning and go on with their life, right? The, the bus driver says, you know what? I just got a phone call. We're waiting just a couple of minutes for somebody. I know it's late. You know, blah, blah, blah. But they'll be here just as soon. Of course, there's a trouble on the bus. Oh, no. Sure enough, here comes a dad and three small children. Dad comes in and he pops down in the one seat and just starts staring out the window. Meanwhile, the three children start terrorizing the bus. Come on, somebody. You've been on one of those airplanes. You've been on that airplane when it's just like, in on your seat, you're like, oh, I'm going to chop your leg off. Right? And that's exactly what it's doing. The dad's staring out the window, and the kids are running the aisle. Like, somebody finally just tries to kind of put their head on the headrest, run elbows in the head. And of course, it's building. You know what's building? And you would be one of them. People are starting to look at each other like, you must have done something. Some would say, you must have done something. And the man sitting right behind him, he goes, sir, sir, are you going to do something about your kids? And he responds, he's still staring out the window. The guy looks around like, what's going Sir! And, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And he goes, well, are you going to do something about your kids? And the guy goes, I'm, I'm so sorry. We just came to the hospital. My wife and their mother just died. And I'm just trying to collect myself for it. And the entire bus changed in a moment. You just changed in a moment. Listen to me. Nothing of the circumstance changed. Correct? Not one thing. What changed? Your perception of the circumstance. Your understanding of the circumstance. That's what God wants to do. Whatever toxic relationships that you've got going on right now, whatever things that are bitterness that are holding on to your soul and keeping you back from being who God created you to be, God wants to release that today and give you a different perspective. So can I say what I'm about to say to you is challenging, and yet if you will do it, it will bring healing. Does that make sense? Do you follow what I'm saying to you? I want to give you three truths related to the cross that I believe God would show us like he showed Moses a tree. Three trees. And he would have us throw into the bitterness inside of us. The stuff inside of us that gets so offended. Some of us are so offendable. Right? We so easily get all mad, fired up, fired up. And listen to me, there's, there's an issue there inside of me, not with everybody else. And God wants to do some healing there. Let's, let's walk through this just a little bit. Three trees. First tree that we're going to have to step into to deal with bitterness, to deal with toxic relationships inside of our lives. First is the tree of honor. The tree of honor. Interesting. Interesting when you look at our culture right now. Pull out a flag. Pull out a flag. It's just a piece of material with some stripes and stars on it, right? I mean, like, it's just a flag. Some people in our culture today would look at that flag and go, well, you did the Indians. It's horrific. They're right. It was. I've been to the Badlands and seen how the results of Native Americans 
things are created in our culture that are stoning. That's terrible stuff, and I agree with them 100%. And they would walk through, and they would bring up wars and things and all this sort of stuff. And so my reaction to the flag is to burn it or to stomp on it or to kneel when the song is sung. It's a whole different group of people that look at the exact same flag, exact same piece of material. And instead, though, we've done some horrible things. We're definitely not perfect. Well, financially, we support pretty much the rest of the world. Everybody else in the world is trying to come here because there's so much freedom here and so much possibility in what God has. We were founded on biblical principles. No, we're not worth living about now, but we were founded on And they look at it, and what do they do? Put their hand over their heart, stand and sing to a piece of material. All it is is a flag. What's the difference? So it's inside of the person and the way they look at it. That's what they put into it. Listen to me. When we look at other people, the only difference in the situation is what we are putting into the situation. It's the perception we take of that particular person. And so you can be someone that goes, they don't deserve my honor. Because they did this, and they did that, and they did this. I'm not giving honor. Or you could be a person that looks at that person and goes, when I read my Bible, it says the person was created in the image of God with destiny and purpose upon their life. I remember when I was lost and acting like a jerk and acting like a fool and God still loved me. So I'm going to honor that life and that position and who God says that they are. Do you see the difference? See, that's, that's honor. It's not about what the other person has done. It's not about whether they even deserve it. Honor is looking past the physical person in front of you and recognizing that they are an image bearer of God. That God has placed them into a position in our lives, and we honor the position because God put them there. Now, I can talk because my family divorced when I was seven years old. Dad was abusive. Mom married another guy who was an alcoholic. I physically moved him out of the house at one point. means is, is in frame, on average, 
Men are built bigger and a little bit stronger. So all that means, everybody relax. I know there are women out there who cannot preach past me. We're not talking about them. Right, listen to me. This is not an equal thing. Because we, we, we're, we're the same as far as value and equality to God. Jesus died for women just as he died for men. But he built us different. At some point, we have to acknowledge biology, right? And that's, that's all this is. Listen to this. Since they are heirs, he said, somebody says, he goes, hey, man, I know she won't get up and help you pick up the couch, or you won't let her, or she just can't. She can't pick up the couch. But honor her since she is an heir with you to the grace of life. In other words, because of who she is, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Because of who she is to God, because of who she is to you, you give honor to her. That's exactly what he's saying. But ladies, before you start going, yeah, textual remark, no. There are six verses prior to this one that talks about women honoring your husband. Matter of fact, it goes on completely here. It talks about honor as being something that we do to all men. First Peter 2 and 17, honor all men. And then he goes on for us to write this, honor the emperor. Okay, First Peter, who was the emperor at the time when he wrote this? It was Nero. Does that sound familiar? You know the guy that would take Christians, put pitch on them, and light them on fire? And he says, honor the emperor. And he's trying to teach us, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? He's trying to teach us this concept of honor, of being honored. And this is hard for us because we've gotten so far away from this in our country. We've gotten so far from this concept. Jen and I had the pleasure of meeting with one of our young ladies this week that she came for some advice. It turns out her family is, is Korean, so she's half Korean. And I found it interesting because we brought up this honor thing in, in the conversation we were talking about. Obviously, it's fresh in my mind with, with me teaching it this week. And she said, she said, yeah, we, we do the honor thing in my family. I said, I bet you do because, you know, Asian cultures get this. I said, there's, there's plenty of things that we can talk about that don't, don't do so well in the East, but this is one that they do. And she said this to me. She said, yeah, I still have to bow to my grandmother and grandfather when they come in. And I started thinking about this concept of honor and how far away from honor we've gotten. I'm about to get you in trouble, guys, and you can get mad at me later, but when was the last time you opened the door for her? When was the last time? Don't elbow, ladies, because you need to stop snickering and saying nasty things to your girlfriends about it. Listen to me. Come on, guys. Part of the reason bitterness is setting in, whether it be in your marriage or other relationships, is because we, we're not honoring that God created them to be who they are. You know what marriage is? Marriage is an amazingly sacred covenant, right? To an imperfect person. Maybe somebody should have said that before you jumped into it. To realize this, this is going to be a mess. This is going to be stuff. Listen, we have plenty of people in our country today that maybe have not garnered our respect. But when I read 
is to rebel against God. If we believe God is sovereign and He's in charge of all things, do we believe He's just? He will make all things right in the end. Not today. No, He's not really interested in your comfort. He's interested in your character. And the fact that we might be able to show honor in the midst of strife and in the midst of struggle that we would honor one another even when we don't care for one another. Mr. Wally brought it up one time we were talking. And he said, I remember a day where young people would stand up when an older person walked into the room. We don't see that anymore. Why? Because we don't put the same honor. Why? Because we begin to look at the flag. Speaking metaphors there. We begin to look at the flag and look at everything that's wrong. And so here's what we require of people around us. You're perfect, then I'll give you honor. Even when it's perfect. And that's not what the scripture says. Listen to me. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you have to be one who honors. And when you take the tree of honor and you throw it into your bitterness and go, this is my dad, and he's being an absolute jerk, and the things he's saying right now are horrific, but I'm going to give honor anyway. Listen to me. You take the power away of bitterness so that it doesn't have to be a toxic relationship. They can be a toxic person, but what makes it a toxic relationship is that I like bitterness set in. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? We've got to do honor. We've got to come back to this place where we, where we, where we honor. Honor is the foundation. Then comes the second tree. The tree of trust. The tree of trust. Our teams that come and get us ready to close out today. Now listen, we don't just trust anybody and everybody, right? I remember some of you guys remember the Cold War. Remember uh, Ronald Reagan, Gorbachev had the conversation. And they're talking about disarming nuclear weapons. And Gorbachev said, yeah, we'll do it, we're in. And Reagan says, well, how about we send over some teams, you know, just to check things out. And Gorbachev said, you don't trust me? And Ronald Reagan says the famous line, trust but verify. Remember that? Right? Trust but verify. Listen to me. I'm not asking you to be gullible. I think to be gullible is to be unhealthy in your relationships. But I'm also asking you not to be so suspicious of everything somebody does that it is bitterness inside of you that comes out in every single relationship. For some of us, we continue to have broken relationships and weak against everybody else. Somebody once said to me, you know, if John continues to have conflict after conflict wherever he goes, how long does it take before John realizes it's him? How long does it take before we go? I'm the one that's like, I get offended. I I do this bitterness thing. I push people away. I have anger problems and all these kind of things. And so somewhere along the line, listen to me, we've got to begin to honor and lift up someone else and push somebody forward and say, I don't need to be, I don't need to climb the ladder and do all this American way thing and all this stuff. I will honor somebody else. I will lift somebody else up. Remember what Jesus said, the first will be last, the last will be first. In other words, our, your goal, listen to Jesus' follower, your goal is to be last. It's your goal. Your goal is to push everyone up around you, not because they deserve it, but because they're all sinners. Or because God asked for us to do it and for us to honor those that are around us. And the love is hard. And then we begin to put some trust in there. I'm sure you trust what happens hard. C.B. Preby said it this way. We judge ourselves by our intentions and everyone else by their behavior. 
probably a good suspicion. I'm not talking about abusive relationships. I'm not talking about adultery. I'm not talking about those things. Those things, you need to get far away from the toxicity comes in one direction. So hear me on that. But I am talking about on our day-to-day marriage, relationship with kids, relationships at work. We've got to be a people that bring fire back. Last train is this. Once we get to the place where we begin to learn, simply because they're created in the image of God and the position that they have in our life. And then we choose to trust. We choose to put on believe the best. We'll believe the best here. I'm going to try to trust and not put in. Because you know we all play that game of mad living, mad living the narrative. The third layer is you might get to the place of the tree of blood. Thinking about praying about this concept of loyalty, and I was thinking, we have become the most disloyal culture I can completely think of. I tie it to, and this is a crazy connection I know, but my brain is weird. I tie it to that we have no more repair shops. You used to go get new soles put on your shoes. You used to be able to take your VCR and go to the VCR repair shop. Right? Jedi had to buy a new washing machine on Saturday. Oh. It used to last a long time. I think I was like 15 washes or something. You know what I mean? We just follow the stupid thing. I think as our culture has become so disposable, so have we with relationships. So have we so quick. And so now what do you see today? You see people go, well, you know, family's just who you hang around with. No. Family's your biological family. Let's start there. And the way I deal with them and the way that I deal in my soul with them is going to have a lot to do with the way my life goes. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's, 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 it is a bitter root that is inside of us. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love, loyal love and faithfulness. Keep loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins. Loyal is about compassion. It's about grace. It's about patience. It's about faithfulness. And it's about forgiveness. One word Jen and I never, ever bring up. We, we, we will fight. We'll get mad. We'll do the silent treatment. Come on, you know the silent treatment. Edge of the bed. Don't touch me. But well, we don't ever talk about divorce. Murder, but not divorce. I'm joking. This is a tense moment. You need to laugh. But we don't talk about divorce. Because we're not getting divorced. Just read the scripture. Let it sit for itself. Luke 17. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he again sins against you seven times in the day, let me play that out. Somebody says something crappy to you at 7 a.m. Okay? I'm going to forgive him. Then they say something crappy to you almost on the same note at 9 a.m. Am I supposed to forgive him again? Yeah. They come back before lunch, because they're determined. It's about 11 
sins are rebuke him, and if he repeats, forgive him, and if he sins again, you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you look at that word, what's the word that really stands out? Must. Must. Why would he say you must? Because there's a scripture that also says, to whom much is given, much is required. And Jesus forgives you. Over and over and over again. And here I'm trying to. So our natural response to him is to forgive. Is to remain loyal. Loyalty is about determined, obligated, fierce commitment to a covenant. So what can I do today? Let me give you this and then we'll close. What can I do today? Go out and start to honor every difficult person. I'll give you a little break. You don't have to deal with a smile. In other words, you don't have to do it all that we do and feel it and think it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you give honor. I'm just saying this is my dad. This is my spouse. This is, this God has put this person in place in my life, an image bearer of Christ. And I'm going to choose to look through them like I look through the flag with all its imperfections that it represents in America, and I'm going to choose which direction I go with that. Do I stomp on it, or do I honor it? I have a move to begin to choose to honor very difficult people. Number two, place trust in every gap instead of suspicion. Try to give the benefit of the doubt. Now, what if I get taken advantage of? How should Jesus ever get taken advantage of? Did they spit in his face and he said nothing? They ripped his beard out and he just stood there? They mocked him on the cross? Oh, he did respond then. And here's what he said. Father, forgive them so they don't know what they're doing. And that's, that's our leader, y'all. This is, this is where the fork gets great. This is where it gets great. Can you hear me? To be a follower of Jesus. Deny myself. Deny myself and pick up my cross. Die to myself and do what Jesus did. And third, ask God to give you compassion, patience, loyalty, and forgiveness. When Moses threw the tree in the water, the water was made pure. And the tree for us today is the cross. God challenged you to throw the cross, honor, trust, and loyalty. Why? Because Jesus has left you in this place to reach those people who are far from him. And when you do what makes them wonder, when you honor when they don't deserve honor, when you trust when they continue to just be foolish, when you show loyalty when they don't deserve loyalty, it makes them wonder and it opens up the opportunity for the word to become real in their lives. It is your witness. It is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Father God, today is tough, God. Please help us. This is... So help us. Help me with my bitterness, God. God, today for a person that I'm so frustrated with. That I continue to argue with in my mind. That I continue to... I try. Yeah, it seems like I come back to it. So now I recognize, really, it's not bitterness, me, God. And I'm holding on to this bitterness.
away today that are struggling so hard with this right now. If you think about that particular person, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work right now in us and break right now. Be sure to us. Keep the bitterness, God. Replace it with your love and your compassion. Give us for grumbling. Now empower us to go and to live like you, Jesus, in grace and in truth. We pray it all in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.